We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC East Roundup Podcast. We're back. It's happening. We're live, Chris. We're doing it live. The NFL season returns this week. The weekly AFC East Roundup podcast returns this week. I'm so excited. I'm just excited to have, like, because I'll tell you what, that injection of college football last weekend after so long, it is kind of cool that college leapfrogs the NFL, don't you think? I do like it. And, as always, you motherfuckers in the group chat want to rag (laughs) <laughs> on my betting ability, <laughs> week one, second week, three and zero on a parlay, and I did put in there that I wanted to do Utah State to cover twenty three and a half on Iowa, mm-hmm. because you like on the basis of that you look at that line and you go, Iowa doesn't blow anyone out. <laughs> There's no way that. They could blow out Utah State, even though they're a low, lower level school. And I left it off my parlay, and they covered. So I could have gone four and zero. But you have right here is some of the winnings that I had. Which you know where this goes? Where goes right over to you? <laughs> That's what I owe you for season tickets. Oh. You get all of my winnings from the weekend because I owe you money for the season tickets. Yes, sir. You have no idea how happy this makes me. Yeah, you were like, oh, you have a. You said to me like a couple weeks ago, oh, you have a, a bunch of money in an envelope. Why don't you just give me cash? No, I was waiting to fucking hit on a parlay and I'll just give you that. And that's exactly what I did. Because now you get the story of, hey, I paid you with gambling. Go yeah. fuck yourself. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I need this because uh, Daddy got a little drunk over the weekend and may have gone a little haywire with Amazon uh, buying tailgate equipment for the upcoming football season. So ah, <laughs> before that bill comes due, I better have some cash to slide my wife. <laughs> so when she looks at the Amazon credit card and goes, what? You did what? And I'll go, shh, it's okay. And I'll just hand it to her. <laughs> it's okay. Wait, if you're going to give that to your wife, do you want me to take that back and tomorrow I'll go pick up nickels? No, no, <laughs> no, no, we're not having a redo of my wedding, all right, you jackass. Guys, college football just wet my appetite for this. I am so excited that real NFL football is back. And so with that, as we kind of lean into this, because we're a week-to-week show, we're usually a reaction show during the season, it's... What went on? Explain your, you know, explain yourself. What happened to you this week <laughs> from each of our divisional opponents? And so with this, it's kind of nice to have this table setting because I guess the concept is expectations. Expectations are wild. And in our, if you listen to our preview podcast this week, you already know or you already heard. We had the discussion about how, like, I myself love the Drew McGarry from Defector.com segment of uh, his series, Why Your Team Sucks. I think that it's perfect. I save it every single season for week one. And I've kind of done that with each of our divisional opponents. And tonight, we're going to go into these conversations looking through the lens of Mr. McGarry's work, but also trying to set some reasonable expectations and figure, well, trying to figure out what the barometer of each individual fan base is. Um Mr. Scott Mason was on our preview podcast, so he will not be joining us for this tonight. So I guess, Chris, we could start there with the New York Jets. The greatest team we've ever seen Holy in shit. media. I mean, Chris, it's wild the way the and Scott did cop to a little bit of this, but even then you can hear it in his voice. He loves this shit. Because these are people who are not used to being like being told by the media that they're good, right? Yeah. Okay. So what I love is this idea that it seems to have all of a sudden become a bit, right? It seems to have just become a bit. Like, oh, the Jets are the best. And I I go, okay, well, then who's not as good as the Jets? And they go, well, I could see the Jets being the one seed in the AFC East. You go, holy fuck. All right. Okay. They're one. Who's two? Cincinnati. Okay, who's three? Kansas. And you go down the chain, and then you go, well, wait a minute. Where does Buffalo slot in here? And they go, oh, no, Pittsburgh is making the wild card over Buffalo. I mean, well, you got Duck Hodges, <laughs> who's a better quarterback. It's It really is a hell of a thing. Like When you look at like reasons that Jets fans think that they can win the division title in 2023, you're hanging your hat on just a handful of things. Uh Chris, do you expect that the Jets' passing game will be better than the Bills' passing game? No. Have they done anything in the last decade of football that per, like tells you that their passing game should be talked about in the same breath as Cincinnati, Kansas City, or Buffalo? No. We. This is my thing with the Jets. So if you go back to when they drafted Darnold and we got Allen, we both went into free agency with... Top five free agency money to spend. Do you remember how we framed it? We, yeah, we decided to go, let's get shit in the trenches, and they decided not to. 
They and, bought everything but yeah, cornerbacks, failed, wide receivers. They failed on their backs. face. And they don't have, again, for this, in the trenches, they don't have an offensive line. I don't, I would trust you out there with your long gorilla arms. This is what I look at when I look at this team. The reason that you can probably win a division title is because your your team on defense is one of the NFL's better defenses. 85 Bears. Yeah. According to DJ Reed, they're the 85 Bears. 2,000 Ravens. They, they better hope. They can win a division title if the defense can carry the day and their offense makes no mistakes. Like That's it. Those are the reasons that you can win a division title. If your offense with a veteran quarterback is, they're savvy, they're mistake proof, and the running game carries the day, which again, ball control offense, play some suffocating defense, and their defense scores points. Those are the reasons that that anyone can reasonably conceive that the Jets can win a division title in 2023. If I want to talk about reasons they probably won't, where do you want me to start? The depth on their team is non-existent. If I go to Our Lads, Chris, you want to throw up the Our Lads depth chart for the Jets up there on the monitor for me? I look at this, and I I say to myself, you guys have, like, fans were clamoring for wide receiver help, and I couldn't figure out why until I actually looked at their depth chart. Because Corey Davis retired? Corey Davis just said, fuck this, you're not cutting me, I'll just retire. So now he walks away from football Alan Lazard is is useful in an NFL sense. He's useful. Well, he's playing with Rodgers. He's not a threat, though. He's not a team that you as a defensive coordinator... He's not a player that you as a defensive coordinator would game plan for. No, but he has chemistry with Sure, and that makes him useful. Same thing with Randall Cobb. Mecole Hardman. What has Mecole Hardman done in the NFL sans the best quarterback in football... I mean, if you can't work it out with Patrick Mahomes and Reed, well, the, what are you? I, well, I tried to make I tried to make the comparison. It would be like taking even when Austin Collie was good. If you had taken Austin Collie off those Colts teams and then moved him to another team, you're just a kind of a, a small kind of slight receiver who gets by on kind of just speed and the quarterback finding you, not overly nuanced route running. Not the fact that you have a you know a solid catch radius or that you're competitive on jump balls. The quarterback just happens to find you where he's supposed to, and you're fast. That's what we're talking about. So that's your third receiver, Randall Cobb, who is Chris. I'm pretty sure he's your age, isn't he? Click Gotta his, be right. Click his, click his name on that chart. I think he's the same age as you. When was he born? Okay. 1990, he's 33. <laughs> right, so we're, we're being a he's little six years younger than me. We're being a little mean here, but he's 33 years old and he hasn't been relevant in in the NFL in years. Behind that, they have nothing. Uh, some something called Xavier Gibson, uh, Jason Brownlee, who was a college free agent, and a college free agent, Irving Charles. Chris, free agents. That's what you're doing. You've got UDFAs backing up your 53. Probably not great, huh? No. So that's their skill position group. Look at their tight ends. Okay. Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzuma, 
CJ Uzama. Th- th- not awful players. They have potential, especially with Rodgers. But there's no depth there. There's nothing there that screams to me that, hey, we're a threat. Take me seriously or else. I just... I don't know where, like, and again, the running game, the running backs, that's supposed to be the straw that stirs the drink. Israel Abanaconda, rookie, coming off an injury. Uh, Delvin Cook has yet to practice. Brees Hall, as we talked about during our previous show, neither one of these guys have taken a preseason snap. They just started practicing. Brees Hall isn't 100%. By midseason, if they can stay healthy, not aggravate anything, have... By midseason, those guys could be formidable, but right now, out of the gate, I have a hard time seeing that. And then also, you look at the offensive line depth, and what do you have? Wes Schweitzer and Joe Tipman. Joe Tipman's a rookie who was supposed to take the starting center job. That's how badly they didn't like Connor McGovern, and now he's back taking the starting center job. Like if you, that's it. If you want to talk about biggest pros and cons of the roster, the pros. They've got amazing defensive players. They've got, especially at cornerback and on the defensive line. That's where their team is strong. Their front seven is going to be adequate. It will have wrinkles at the linebacker level, but the defensive line is going to be great. The cons is just that they don't have any depth, especially on offense. Chris, if they go out there and Garrett Wilson turns an ankle five minutes into this Monday Night Football game, do you know what their passing game turns into? I don't even want to know. It their passing game is going to be the thing that looks like the fucking two thousand Ravens. Like it's going to be Trent Dilfer back there. It's going to be a mess. They'll probably have to go get Corey Davis out of retirement. I wonder. <laughs> I mean, he pulled. He's trying to pull the Leslie Frazier. He's like, I'm stepping away, stepping away. So I don't know. I mean, for them, what does a successful season look like? I, Chris, I, I I couldn't even begin to tell you because you heard you heard Scott talk about it during our previous show. He just the fan base I think is drinking all of the media Kool Aid, and good for them. I mean, Chris, do you remember how excited we got when we were being talked about as Super Bowl favorites? Oh yeah. Like the problem is, is that it's not that simple. You can't just say, "Well, that team's good and they're going to be good." And but if that was the case, Jerry Jones would have three more fucking Super Bowls. How often does everybody paint the Cowboys as a team that could come out of the NFC and then they just fall flat on their faces due to bad coaching and poor roster building down the stretch? I mean, I don't know. Nick Wright's got him in the Super Bowl. Of course Nick Wright does. Fuck. Okay. He's, it's him and Dan Snyder for the two most punchable faces I've ever seen. And I have a hard time deciding. I just I don't know. It's like, and it's like they're trying to get you to do it. <laughs> what I do know is that right now their idea of a successful season is we make it to the, at least the divisional round of the playoffs and that I think a lot of fans would tell you we think we belong in the AFC title game conversation despite nothing to prove it and I feel like that's the most dangerous thing now, before the Bills started getting talked about this way, we had to go win in 2020. That came out of nowhere. It shocked everybody. You know, 2019, everyone was like, oh, that's cute. You guys made a wild card game and lost, blah, 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 blah. It'll be fine going into next year. And then we literally just rochambeaued the NFL. 
you know, Brian Dable was just like, fuck it. We cut it loose. We cut it loose. We got a Stefan Diggs. Four wide receiver sets and everyone can kiss my ass. And they all had to. I don't see where the Jets made that transformative offensive move that the Bills did to put themselves in that. A, a running back that's going to split duties with another star running back is not the same thing as going out and getting a Stephon Diggs and opening up a three-wide passing set that can, what, put you in contention for like having one of the most effective passers in football? Yeah. So they just steered harder into something that doesn't really win you much, right? Like, the Titans probably could have told them this was a bad idea. I just, if that's what they believe is successful, good for them. I, I, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so we switch gears because obviously we're sick of talking about New Jersey. And we bring aboard Mr. Christian Simonelli to talk about the third place finishing Patriots from 2022. Sir, we're prefacing everything through the lens of you know, expectations, reasons why, reasons why not you might be good. And what started it all is the Drew McGarry series, Why Your Team Sucks. 2023. Are you familiar with the publication, sir? Very. <laughs> exactly. It's become a part of my annual reading every year, and I save my own team for week one because I think it brings me back down to earth a little bit. <laughs> so with that in mind, let's talk about the 2023 New England Patriots. You guys just finished camp. If you were going to talk about the biggest pro and the biggest con of the roster heading into the season, what do you think they are? Well, um, thankfully, I think the biggest pro uh, of the roster is actually the quarterback position, despite the fact that we have one legitimate NFL quarterback on the roster right now. Mac Jones had a great camp. He had a great offseason. He had a great great spring, great summer. Um, didn't play a whole lot in the preseason, but in practices and in uh, uh, going up against other teams, uh, enjoying practices, he played great. And he's looked like he's in total command of the offense and the team, which is which is wonderful. Um, the biggest con, uh, big elephant in the room is the offensive line. They did not start what I think is going to be the starting offensive line at any point since the spring. So they didn't have the same five guys together at all during the summer. And you're going to be basically trekking out 
guys who were taking like their first quote real snaps and probably close to, you know, I'd say uh, going back to last season, you know, in a good like 10 months um, against the Philadelphia Eagles. And so that's, that's going to be a big, I think it's going to be a big, big issue, not to start the year, but for the, for the, for the whole year really is going to be in focus. So looking at this offensive line, thinking about this Drew McGarry article, when they talk about what's new that sucks, the first thing that comes to mind, they go, oh, they drafted, oh, they, oh, they signed Riley Reef and he's hurt. <laughs> How important, like when I'm looking at the depth chart, you know, you guys signed Riley Reef, you've got Trent Brown. Right. Right. Riley Reef was supposed to be the reason that the tackle position was going to be okay, and now you've got somebody named Kelvin Anderson. Like, yep. what's happening? Yeah, uh, what's happened is that is that Bill was very ca- was very cavalier with that position this year. I think he thought that he could get more out of Reef than what Reef gave him, despite the fact that he's like 150 years old. Um, and Bill's done this in the past with positions, like he did it in 06 with the wide receiver position. He did it in 08 with the cornerback position. He did it with uh, the linebacker position by waiting too long to draft guys and develop guys, and that position got really old really fast. And he's kind of done this with the offensive line. He's really left them, um, you know, bare at the tackle position. Now you could say, well, he's been a first-round pick on Cole Strange last year. Look, we all we all know that that very well was supposed to be a third or fourth-round pick, not a first-round pick, not a anchor guy who's going to star for you for eight, ten years type of pick. He's just not, um, despite the fact that he, you know, had a great offseason, but then he gets hurt the third day of camp, and he hasn't played. So... Um, he's really left them in a terrible position right now with a bunch of really unknowns. A guy in Trent Brown who, when he's on board, is great, but when he's not on board, <laughs> good luck getting that guy on the field and getting him to try. And then you draft three interior rookies, um, you know, in the middle of the draft, and So, Malfi, and Andrews. And, you know, you got Malfi and So taking legitimate snaps during camp. So it, it's a mess. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. The offensive line right now is a mess. And, Thank God they actually have a competent offensive coordinator and somebody who knows how to game plan around that and Bill O'Brien because they're going to have to. Um, and they're going to have to definitely at the beginning of the year. I hope they're not going to have to do it all year because if they do, they're going to have a going to be a long year. I think okay. it's going to be a long year anyways, but we haven't gotten to that point yet. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's rough sledding right now. It's, it's funny because as you're saying that I'm looking at the Drew McGarry article, the picture of Bill O'Brien is not flattering. And it says, speaking of which, meet your new offensive coordinator. Imagine hiring Bill O'Brien as your chief play caller and having it being a genuine improvement. (laughs) The good news here is that Bill O'Brien is an actual offensive coordinator. The bad news is that he's Bill (laughs) O'Brien. Yeah, it's not necessarily the guy that cares. Like Bill, doesn't really care about his appearance. You know, comes out, looks like he just like rolled out of bed. He's got the meanest look on his face. Um, you know, but he's a football guy, and you know my memories of Bill O'Brien is when he was here. The offenses were firing on all cylinders, and you know they were they were creative. And he's done a lot of running a lot of RPO in camp this year. So I'm um, I'm really focusing on that. Remember, the New England Patriots did not have an NFL offense last year. They had at best a rudimentary college offense. And that's being kind. <laughs> well, what I love is that they pointed out they go also because <laughs> they were like what. What sucks? They're like, also, Joe Judge is still here. He's still an assistant head coach. Just yeah, like your boss. Sure that, <laughs> he was just sure like your how, boss. How, no one has any idea what this man does all day. And not, not know why he's still here, but he is. 
Well, he's here because he's cheap and somebody else is paying him. That's why he's here. I mean, let's be realistic. If you had to pay the guy any amount of money, he wouldn't be here. So if we're looking at this, the re- he, you need to finish this sentence for me. The reason that the Patriots can win a division title in 2023 is? Uh, a rash of injuries <laughs> hits the AFCs. <laughs> like a comet hits, a, a comet comes down in the middle of Kansas City, uh, takes out Arrowhead during practice. Uh, everyone inside the Bills building gets malaria. Uh, like what else? It would have to be some Jumanji type shit. No, you. I mean, to answer that question seriously, like you, I mean, you got to hope that the defense is good enough, is as good as everybody's saying that it could be, that it could be a top five unit to keep them in games, to limit, or even in some cases shut down teams, and then the offense, you know, be able to go out there and, and put up some points. At some point, this NFL, this Patriot offense is going to have to score 30 points to beat somebody. I heard this statistic. I don't know if it's true, but since Tom Brady left, the New England Patriots are, I think, 0-17 when the opposing team scores 25 points or more. That's wow. a wild stat. That's a wild stat. So you got to be able to score some points. Um, I don't think the days in the NFL where you're going out and stopping people and holding people to 10 points every week. Yeah, people will say the 49ers defense, they beat you up, they hold you. The Jets defense is really good. Bill's defense is really good. But people still make hay against those teams. So I, I just think you got to have an offense that can go out there and score 30 and a defense that at least is going to limit the damage um, well, I mean, and get you, you some turnovers. I, I mean, you guys went out and you signed Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Mike Kosicki, right? Like, that was supposed to be the answer. You, I, you know, <laughs> they're more replacements than signings. I, I mean, they're slight upgrades over who is here. So, I mean, and from what you know, from what you hear, Burt Bria says that uh, Juju Smith shoots his knee as a ticking time bomb. Um, that's nice. Oh, and by the way, Mike Kosecki separated his shoulder a few weeks back. So, but other than that, you know, the, the signings have been fine. <laughs> what can, can you answer me? This as a Patriots fan. When you guys were living the Tom Brady dream era, and it was just free agency would roll around, and you would go out there, and you guys would pull. Never stars, but meaningful football players would come to play for New England on decent contracts, or sometimes just absolute steals of contracts, mm-hmm. because he wanted to play for a competent football team. Has the last like two or three free agency periods, going back to when they had that spending spree probably two years ago. 21, yep. Has this been difficult to parse as a fan? Like, is it kind of like the same thing as acknowledging, like, hey, the the golden era is over? Yeah, because Brady was the biggest draw, and I want to play with Tom Brady. You know, I, I can't tell you how many, you know, uh, ex-Colts wanted to sort of finish their career and go out, whether it be Marcus Pollard um, or Reggie Wayne came in here for tryouts, and they were on their last leg just to get a chance to play with Tom Brady, even though they had played with Peyton Manning. That, you know that drawer isn't here anymore. Now, Bill Belichick is still there, and, and people say, you know, mm-hmm. when people get in the building, I mean, Matt Judon, you know, since his signing in 2021, has been like the biggest Belichick, you know, pom-pom waiver cheerleader around. Learned so much from him, loves playing for him. Um, those guys are few and far between. That's been tough to reconcile. I mean, 
you got to throw bags of money at people now. And that's what they did with Juju. Like, they threw more money than Casey was willing to throw at him, really, than anybody else. I don't think they were bidding against anybody else. But that's how they have to get guys now. That's how they got guys in 21. They threw bags of money at, God, Nelson Aguilar, um, <laughs> Kendrick Bourne. Like, so, I mean, that's how they got guys. So that's been tough. I mean, the losing on the field has been the worst part. The, just the, you know, and the trip and from the rest of the AFCs hasn't helped either. <laughs> No, well, that's it. Like, I'm I'm looking at this McGarry article right now. Ratto says, The team's glory days are no longer visible in the rearview mirror. The camp competition between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi that Belichick insists is real feels like the good old days of the early 90s when Mark Wilson and Tommy Hodson were fighting for the right to hand the ball off to Joe Steven, John Stevens. In oh, short, he goes, In oh, short, man. these are the last twitches of the Ottoman Empire. But no one can convince Belichick to wear a fez on the sideline. Yeah, that's rough, man. I hope it's not that bad. <laughs> but, man, that era gives me chills because I was like 12, 13 years old at the time. Man, that was that was some tough sledding back then, boy. I mean, that was oof. There were some bad teams. Well, the silver lining to this is that what might not suck is the fact that, uh, according to him, you'll still sweep the Jets because fuck them. <laughs> Oh, he just hates the Jets. Yeah, well, there's a lot of that around. I mean, you know, they did beat them last year on a punt return. So, how did you guys? How did you and the Jets play the most boring game of football and still manage to win on a punt return? It was crazy. I, I, I was. I, I just watched the majority of the game in disbelief, and then like everybody else was jumping up and down like a lunatic. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, the Jets have all the talent in the world, but after watching Hard Knocks. I'm just not a believer in Robert Saleh. He may be the nicest guy in the world, but like I just he's he's all cliche, all you know, his thing, um, A G N B, all gas, no break. Like if my high school football coach did that, I'd laugh at him. I, I just I, I'm not buying him. I'm sorry. I'm just not I have more faith in McDaniels and the Dolphins than I do in him right now. I just do. Oh my God. It's it really is a hell of a thing to think about. Like, the New England Patriots are here. You're entering a season where... I, I guess this is the the final question if we're going to close on something. What does, knowing all of this detritus is floating around out there, both within your own fan base, with you personally, because you understand the game of football, you've seen championship-caliber teams, and now you know what it is, like what this roster looks like standing next to it, and what this coaching staff looks like standing next to it. What defines a quote-unquote successful 2023 season for the Patriots. Just here today, in a vacuum, just what is it? Because obviously it'll change as the season goes on. What do you view as a successful season right now today with no games played? 10-11 wins. um, Get past the wild card into the divisional round. Make some make some noise in the playoffs before you bow out. And it will, it'll at least show me two things because by that point you'll have learned one Mac Mac is or is not the guy, and two that Belichick can still put together a roster that can compete in today's NFL, which right now is is seriously up for debate over the past three years. So if they were to go and miss the playoffs again. In your opinion, it's not just a failure; it's a monumental one, isn't it? I do, I look at it that way because now you will have given Belichick um, 
you know, essentially four seasons without since Tom Brady had left the full four seasons since Tom Brady left. I wanted to get rid of Belichick in the last year. I, I haven't been shy about that. I told you guys that from, from Jump Street. People look at me like I'm crazy. I just think, I just think it's time, and I, I, I would I would consider them not making the playoffs in a seven or eight win season, which a lot of people are projecting them, by the way, to be just that as a failure. I would, I would. As good as the division is, if Belichick is who he's, we still hope that he is. He should be able to get this team into the playoffs and get ten or eleven wins out of them. It's going to be tough sledding, dude. I I don't. For as much as hey, uh, apparently the Bills aren't going to make the playoffs anymore. I don't know if you've seen that. So for as bad as we're as bad as we're going to be, I really do feel for you guys. And since our fan base, our collective podcast fan base, is the pettiest, where can people follow you on social media? Because obviously they're going to want to soak some of that up. Sure. Hey, you can follow me on X at Chris with a T I A N. Uh, give me a follow. I'll give you a follow back. We have a lot of fun with Bills fans over the years, and uh, nothing like game day on Twitter. It really isn't. It's uh, that and Red Zone are like two two greatest inventions since sliced bread when it comes to football on a Sunday. So we crack a fresh Montucky and we usher in probably one of Chris. Do you think we could call Alfartiaga a fan favorite at this point? <laughs> All, all of his appearances here on the AFC's Roundup. He's like, Alf, you're like CM Punk. You either love him or you hate him. That's how this works. Yeah, but I'm definitely not straight edge. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies so. and gentlemen, Elf Artiaga from Three Yards Per Carry. Elf, it's finally done. All of the bullshit, all of the talking and the, the, the posturing and the media pomp and circumstance. Real football is going to get played starting this week. You promise? I promise. I promise it's going to happen. Whether or not I live to see it, I don't know. But what I do know is that you know we're here. We're kind of going all. We're kind of going over each roster. You know, we kind of gave our own team the uh, Drew McGarry treatment this week. You know, I read some of that Why Your Team Sucks 2023. And we've been kind of using that, some of the thoughts of that, to kind of shape how everybody maybe should be looking at their football team. Maybe taking a little bit more critical look at it ahead of the season. Because realistically, expectations change. And it's always fun to see where they are, the things you like, the things you don't like, how you feel now. And then look back at it, you know, three and a half months from now. <laughs> come come early January when you were like, oh, that thing I thought was going to be a problem wasn't. I wasted too much time with that. That thing that I thought was solid fucking blew up in my face. So with that, you guys have come out of training camp. You've made your roster cuts. Doesn't seem like anybody in the AFC has made any real monster acquisitions during the you know the cutdown period, there was no monster trades, even though that was all the rage. When you look at the 2023 Dolphins roster, what do you think is your biggest pro and your biggest con? The biggest pro is the setup on defense, meaning the talent to go with the 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 coordinator and the personnel guy on defense, meaning Vic Fangio and Ronaldo Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's it's essentially those two guys are running the defense, Ronaldo Hill on the field and Vic Fangio in the booth, and the talent is absolutely solid across the board. Defensive line is really good. Uh, linebackers are good and deep, which it's it's a new development. Safeties are good and deep, and corners should be coming online as far as deep. But they're going to start off with a, a decent group, 
and they're going to get better as the season goes along. Uh, as long as they don't lose any ma- any major guys, they should be getting Nick Needham back after the first month, and then Ramsey, he's looking better by the day. And he keeps telling everybody, I'm back in November, and I wouldn't put it past him. He actually looks pretty damn good out there uh, when he's with the team, and he's going to be running and cutting. That's At least that's the rumor in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's the defense and the setup on defense. Uh, those those two guys are the boss, and it's clear they're the boss, and they're highly competent. And whenever you have a lot of talent and highly competent people and you put them together, good things usually happen. And we do expect good things to happen on that side of the ball. Now, what's the thing that makes you grind your teeth a little bit when you look at this roster and the way they put it together entering the season? Well, it's it's almost the same thing with the Dolphins every single year, but it's it's twofold. They were third in the NFL in preseason and running the football. They ran it for like 169 yards a game, okay? They ran it for 208 yards in three quarters against the Texans with their ones and twos against the Texans' ones and twos, okay? So there seems to be a renewed effort into running the football. The fear is that once the games are live, that that goes out the window. And then the actual concern is that you're kind of happy with what you have on the offensive line, but you could easily see how one injury, and it's not like Teron Armstead is a picture of health, but you could see how one injury can start to unravel the entire unit. So there's a little apprehension on that front. But it's those two things. That's the only thing that, that gives me a little pause. Are they really going to be this committed to the running game uh, as they've shown and as they keep promising that they are? And, of course, the health of that offensive line. <laughs> the health of the offensive line is fucking wild. I was reading an article just this morning about how Teron Armstead, like, I, I like good trench play. Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter where. I like guys who do it. I like guys who do it effectively, who do it convincingly well. And what I think I wasn't paying attention to, because I understand the fact that, oh, I see him, he's always on the injury report. He's always on the injury report. Today I read an article that laid out that only once in all of 2022 did Teron Armstead practice twice in the same week before a game. <laughs> And then they went down and they said a whopping 11 times last year. Or no, no, I think it was 10. 10 times he didn't practice at all. So what that means is that there is a guy who's so good at left tackle that he goes, "You know what? I don't have to I don't have to do the installation. I don't have to do shit. I can literally sit here. I'll hit a bike once in a while. I'll be in the training room during the week. I'll get some therapy. I'll get some rest. And I will come basically off the couch on Sundays and fucking manhandle one of your defensive heads. <laughs> there is something actually, fantastic actually, about that. He actually proved that during this training camp when, when uh, he was on the side. And you can see him when, you know, you know when the offensive linemen go one-on-one against defensive linemen. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons came into, into, into town and... You could see Taron Armstrong was just on the side, and he was like, you know, having a conversation with somebody. He's in full pads, okay, mm-hmm. having a conversation with somebody. Like, you know, everybody else is doing the one-on-ones, and he's essentially, I don't know what the hell he's talking about, but he's standing on the side, and all of a sudden you see, he says, "Hey, let me get a let me get a rep in there," <laughs> and he gets a rep against a, an Atlanta Falcon edge player. Atlanta Falcon edge player tries to put a move on him. He essentially just 
grabs him by the neck, throws him to the ground, basically on his neck, and then walks away and then didn't, didn't practice the rest of the practice. And then he was like, okay, that's, that's enough. I'm spent. That's enough work for the day. You know, uh, you could catch me over here drinking a coffee under this tree if, if you need to talk to me. So God. yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing. Chris, and it must be nice to have a guy. They won. It must be nice to have a tackle that's that fucking reliable, isn't it? Yeah. God damn it. So as we read these, um, <laughs> D- Drew McGarry does that thing. He, he always kind of breaks things down. What's new that sucked <laughs> and what has always sucked? I'll tell you what. I've got two for you. Uh, what has always sucked is Liam Eikenberg, who just got named your guys' starting guard. I, I want to get your thoughts about that. And also, what's new that sucks... How are you, how are you guys going to go out and sign Eli Apple, one of the most hated defensive backs in the entire NFL at this point? Well, let me tell you about that Liam Eikenberg thing. Um, he, uh, Mike McDaniel was asked about that. Remember, I was at every single practice in training yep. camp. Liam, Liam Eikenberg started off as a starting left guard. He was demoted to second team very quickly. Then he was demoted off of second team to third team. Then he was getting zero reps, and then he didn't play with any of the starters or any of the second teamers in the last two preseason games, okay? And then all of a sudden he shows up on the depth chart as the as the starter at left guard. Uh, Mike McDaniel was asked about that, and he says, how heavy is the paper that that's printed on? <laughs> is, is what he told the, the media. I suspect that that's an emergency measure if Teron Armstead doesn't play, because in that case, Kendall Lamb will play left tackle, and then that would mean that Liam Eikenberg will play left guard as Isaiah Wynn becomes the backup left tackle for the game against the Chargers. Okay. But I am willing to bet dollars to donuts. If Armstead plays, Isaiah Wynn is the starting left guard. Okay. Now, Eli Apple, I mean, that guy sucks so much that just this past week, one of the mother of his, the mother of his child essentially used Instagram to put a hit out on him. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> like why Eli Apple? It's not like he's... Like, everyone hates this guy, and none of it's because he's an elite player. No one hates him because he's uh, overly physical, or, you know... Everyone just hates him because it sounds like he just kind of sucks as a person. <laughs> like, what are your thoughts on this Eli Apple signing? Well, <sighs> it's been an interesting, uh, you know, three weeks with Eli Apple. Uh, he came in, and he wasn't he wasn't the starter in nickel. The starter in nickel on the outside was uh, Noah Benogany. He supplanted him. Cam Smith got hurt, and it looked like Cam Smith was going to be the starter opposite of Xavier Howard in in nickel, while Cater Cole was going to play basically every snap of the game because in base, uh, if you come out in 21 personnel against the Dolphins, Cater Cole and Xavier Howard will be the two corners. Okay. okay. But in nickel, like if you're going to play three wide receivers, you're going to be in 11 personnel, you're going to see Cater Cole play in the slot, and then one of the outside corners is going to be either Eli Apple or Cam Smith. They seem to have like a little timeshare going. But to be fair to, to Eli Apple, he chased Noeg Benogany out of town. Now, that wasn't hard to do. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't hard to do. But he did it. So I would expect that you're going to see something that's very odd in this league. And that's you're going to be you're going to see a timeshare between Eli Apple and the rookie Cam Smith, who has impressed a lot in this camp. And you're going to see, I would say, a slow progression for Cam Smith. If there are no hiccups, no injuries, he actually plays as good as he did in the preseason. Not too long from now, you could see him take over that spot permanently. Until, of course, 
Jalen Ramsey comes back in November or December. So give me the reason why you believe the Dolphins can win a division title in 2023. Uh, if they're healthy, they have, the, they have enough talent. And they proved last year that they can play with the Bills, even while they were injured in that playoff game. You know, they, they had an opportunity to win that game. They had an opportunity to win in really bad weather in Buffalo. They, blew, they essentially blew an eight-point lead in that game, which they had no business in blowing. Uh, so they had an opportunity to win games against the, the Bills last year. I think the team is much more improved. If they're healthy, I do expect them to challenge for that division title, and I expect that game at the end of the season to actually decide the division. And I actually picked them, picked them to win the division based on that game at the end of the season. Why do you think the Dolphins probably won't? win a division title in 2023. Tua will get injured and they'll have to play Mike White and then they'll play Mike White for a four or five game stretch and go two and three and that knocks them out of the division race and then it's Buffalo once again because I really don't believe, look, I've, I've said this on several podcasts already, you know, I'm not one of these people that are gonna, that's going to go out there and say, look, you know, the Jets are going to be last place again, you know, have fun with seven and ten, I'm not going to do that. I think the Jets are going to be much improved, and I think they're going to be a good team. But I think they're going to be a 9-8 and eight good, a 7th seed good. They're going to be what the Dolphins were last year. The only thing in reverse, I think they're going to get off to a bad start and finish up, finish up pretty hot. But I do believe that the division belongs to the Bills or Dolphins. The winner is, is within those two teams. Success is a weird thing to try to define because expectations change over time. You know, if, if you're a team, if you're the Jets and, you know, you start like shit because you're scared, their opening slate is difficult and they go two and three. You probably would see a lot of adjustment in terms of, you know, we talked about it earlier in the show, some adjustment in terms of now their expectations will shift. And so it's always a moving target. But sitting here today, you now it's September 6th, what does a quote unquote successful season for the 2023 Dolphins realistically look like? Uh, it probably begins with at least a division championship and a playoff win. But more realistically, it probably ends with at least playing for a championship, meaning making to the AFC championship game. Um, I tend to believe that there is a consensus that this is a pretty damn good roster. I think Chris Greer has done, by all measures, a very, very good job. And yes, I understand that injury can derail it, but injury can derail anything. The, the most talented teams, the, the 49ers, they take a couple of injuries. They take a, a Fred Warner injury. They take a Nick Bosa injury. And that's going to be a lesser defense and thus a lesser team. They lose Trent Williams. That offensive line is not going to be that good. Same thing for the Bills. The Bills lose Josh Allen, and then things get top, you know, topsy-turvy inside the AFC East. You know, you lose your safeties like you did last year. You become a little bit more vulnerable. So, you know, injury aside, the roster is good enough. So why not expect the most? Why not expect the ceiling, right? And I believe the ceiling is that this team can play for a championship this year. And if you're playing for a championship, it's not one of those things where people say, oh, the best that they can do is lose in the AFC championship game. No, it doesn't work that way. In the NFL, if you play in a game, you have a chance to win it, even if you're the worst team. Trust okay? me, Bills fans have been I've, – I've heard it from everybody. Well, in 2020, it's a yep. Once you go, I saw I saw a tanking Dolphins team go into Foxborough the last game of the season with the Patriots needing to win the game to get the number one overall seat. 
and watch the Dolphins completely outplay them that day and beat them and hand the number one seed over to Kansas City and thus a berth in the Super Bowl and thus Tom Brady exiting to Tampa. (laughs) So all of that happened. It's one game. So if I do expect the ceiling is the Dolphins play for a championship, meaning they're in the AFC championship game, then, yeah, they have an opportunity to win that. And if you win that, you know in which game they actually play. So, yeah, that's my expectation. I don't mind putting expectations on them. The roster is good enough. It's time to actually produce something with it. I leave you with this, Elf. Two of your own fan base's quotes from the Drew McGarry article over at Defector.com. Uh, you know, they, they always likes to get, get take the pulse of the fan base. From Mike in South Beach. As soon as I read that Tua was working with a judo instructor to learn how to keep his head from hitting the ground, I accepted that Miami was just going to kill him. Fuck Devontae Parker forever. And there's a guy here named Manuel who says, We allowed ourselves to get excited about the Jay Cutler season, so we deserve everything that happens to us. (laughs) Elf. Dolphin fans are the absolute worst, and I know that I'm saying this on a Bills on, on a Bills podcast. But good God, you know, thank you, Dolphin fans, for you know making us the most listened to independent podcast, Dolphin podcast on the planet. But Jesus Christ, man, you guys got to you know calm down. Try to enjoy these games. Like you should see, you should see some of the questions that we get. Do you think our secondary is good enough? Like Jesus Christ, what else do you want on this on this thing? You know what I mean? Uh, Do you think we should go out and like? There's there's people on OnlyFans, by the way, our our Discord. You could get on there for three dollars a month. There's people on there saying, "You think we should send Tampa a pick for Mike Evans?" And I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, how much more talent do you want on the outside? Like Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle's not enough. Now you need Mike Evans too. This is a fan, sir. This is what it is to be the lay fan. And for the lay fan, where can they find your OnlyFans and where can they find your podcast work? Well, on OnlyFans, all you got to do is go to Discord slash GG dot slash OnlyFans. And you could get on there for $3 a month. And, of course, you can get our podcast. Uh, you can check out our Twitter feed or you could go on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast. And it's the number three yards per carry. Christian Simonelli and Alf Artiaga. We only got two of them, so we got to reference a tag team. We'll go with the Body Donnas. If you remember them from the why do you mid nineties? You know that's like the Doctor fourth- Tom Pritchard and Chris Candido <laughs> with Sonny, who's uh, in jail. So, yeah, that's they're the body donnas. I would put Alf as uh, Alf would be Doctor Tom Pritchard, and then Simonelli would be Candido because Candido's from New Jersey, which isn't far from Boston. It's like a lower. Level Boston. Are you looking them up? No, what I'm doing is I'm looking at this because you you reference a lot of things, but like, okay, how about Booker T and Gold Dust? No. Like, I look at these like, uh, who who are some of the funniest ones ever? The Rock and Sock Connection? Ah, please. Uh, What about DX, the original DX? Triple H? Triple H. Good Shawn Michaels. No. You got to go low level because that's what these teams are to the Bills. They're okay. the under undercard to us, the main event. Okay. So I'm just looking at this now. What about uh, 
Let's see. The Bushwhackers, the Nasty Boys. Those two were losers. How about the 80s? Let's take it back, because that's when I was watching wrestling. How about the Killer Bees? No. Uh, well, what was it? Uh, oh, there was one. Uh, oh, God, they both wore, like, denim jackets, and they were supposed to be, like, bikers. No, Rhythm and Blues. Uh, the Soul Patrol? Never heard of them. Of course not. The Steiner Brothers? Yeah. The Steiner Brothers are amazing. The Dogface Gremlin? Yeah, but they wouldn't be <laughs> the, they, Yeah, they wouldn't be the Steiners. What I love is because that Because they're beneath the bills. <laughs> what I always love is that I end up with two beers open by the end of every one of these fucking podcasts. I don't know how it happens. I just end up with two open beers. So now we're looking at the Buffalo Bills. And I think in this week's preview show I did a good job of uh you know, I kind of kicked things off at the top of the show with a little bit of shade and Freud for us fans just to be like, hey, guys, let's all calm the fuck down because the, the sense of entitlement that you have, I, I just don't understand it. Realistically, Chris, Chris if we're going to talk about why we think the Bills can win a division title in 2023, I think it's pretty simple because we've done it for three straight years and no one but the Patriots has been able to do that. Doesn't that funnel straight back to, we have the best quarterback? Yeah. In a vacuum, now you can tell me all about Tariq Hill and how fast he is and how smart Mike McDaniel is, and you can tell me all about Aaron Rodgers and his entire pedigree. What you cannot say to me, because it's, it's literally, well, what's the term that they use for it? Oh, it's intellectual dishonesty. If you are to say to me that Josh Allen is not the best quarterback in the AFC East, are there other good quarterbacks? Sure. If you're not telling me that he is the best, then I know you're not approaching this from a place of logic and reason. What you're do like you're you're almost like you're negotiating in bad faith at this point. And that's why I believe the Bills can win a division title in 2023. Do I have a ton of confidence that Ken Dorsey's all of a sudden going to become the most competent offensive coordinator? No. That doesn't usually happen. I think guys either have a brain for this or they don't. Maybe he learns how to fix some of the mistakes that he made. Maybe he learns how to navigate some of the, like, hey, I did this wrong, or hey, I relied too heavily on this in these scenarios. I should, from a play-calling standpoint, inside the red zone, I should target running backs in the passing game more. Or I should, I should prioritize in, you know, runs between the tackle more so that in the red zone, runs off tackle are more effective and James Cook's speed can get me to the pylon. Whatever it is. Maybe there's some angles he can massage, but by and large, Chris, do you expect him to go from being what he was to being uh, Marsha Broda? No. No. He might take a small step forward. That's it. So you... Things improvement might, is okay. Things might change with the uh, Kincaid and his second tight end. And now this is where the conversation starts. Because you go, reason the Bills probably won't win a title. For that, it's me right there. For me, it's that right there. It's this conversation about Ken Dorsey. I don't think Ken Dorsey has changed much. Now, the question is, we were still one of the highest scoring offenses in football, so I think I'm being rough on him. You know, I talked to that earlier in the show, being one of the highest scoring offenses in football. That means something. <laughs> 
it means you win a lot of football games, regardless of the week, regardless of the quality of the rest of your roster. He helped maintain that streak of high-scoring offenses. But also, he was missing some things. You once made the analogy that Brian Dable, when he first got here in 2018, was trying to make cookies with just a piece or just a handful of ingredients. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Okay. How much of what Ken Dorsey wanted to do did he not have at his disposal until now? I think he was just missing Kincaid. Well, we're going to find out. Because realistically, like, that's the reason for me why we won't win another division title. Is if Ken Dorsey, with a step up in offensive competition around the division, doesn't also take a step forward. If he does, I don't see any reason this team can't have a four-peat on its hands. But it's going to be on that guy's shoulders. And if he's not, and I really, again, I don't like this concept of guys taking monumental strides. But we've also watched it happen. Brian Dable, 2019. That offense was plotting. It was kind of slow. It was, you know, I'm, I'm going back to 2019. It's Frank Gore and Devin Singletary running against the Steelers, running and running and running, and then we set up this ridiculous play-action pass play right after Renegade got done playing to uh, Tyler Croft, of all fucking people. Just silences the crowd. They're like, oh, we're getting into it! Nah, fuck you, Dagger, because you've been biting on the run all night now. And then the next time we played them, we had a high-powered offense that just blew them off the field in the second half. I've watched that change, so I don't want to believe that he can't do it. But if he doesn't, that's going to be the reason that the Bills aren't looking at a fourth straight AFC's title. Chris, your mark for the biggest pro and the biggest con about the roster. What's the thing that keeps you up at night thinking about the way this team is built right now? How's it not Josh Allen? He's the greatest thing that this team has ever seen since Jim Kelly. He's keeps her offense. I'd say before ticking. Jim Kelly because he's not doing coke off the bar in public. Allegedly, before I get fucking sued. Yeah, <laughs> Josh Allen, he's the man. So, what's the biggest con? What's a, what's what is the thing that keeps you up at night when you're thinking about this team and you're like, wait, it, I hope that doesn't fuck us. Simple, it's you. <laughs> It's me. I'm the worst thing. You're like, fuck, I love this football team, but now I have to deal with this asshole in my house. Yeah, it's you. For me, if I take a look at the Bills depth chart, of course, you want to go ahead and throw that up there for me. From ourleds.com. I think, like, if I'm talking about the roster, I think my biggest fear is this concept that what we've done at offensive line is not enough. You're deep, and you you know you like Ryan Vandermark. He's here. You like Alec Anderson. He's here. He's in a reserve role. You have Ryan Bates, who can play four different positions for you. You've got young guys with high, you know, great athletic chops, a lot of upside. Ultimately, can they support a running game that needs a lot of help? There's not a star power in that running back room. Can they support that? Can they pass protect well enough that the team feels comfortable taking some of the 
continuing to push this vertical passing game that this thing is clearly built for with your Sherfields and your Hardys and your Shakirs fleshing out the depth. It's just, there's a lot of moving pieces to all of this. And I'm very much surprised, I guess, that they didn't do just a little bit more after seeing what happens when Josh Allen gets hurt the way he got hurt last year, that they wouldn't have prioritized protecting him just a little bit more. A successful season, Chris, where does it end? I mean, I'd like to get to the Super Bowl, for fuck's sake. I mean, but AFC is... It's a gauntlet. This might be the toughest the AFC has been in a long time because we're going to have to go through <laughs> Burrow, Mahomes. How good is Justin Herbert going to be now that he's got Kellen Moore? Do any of the rookies come out blazing? Is C.J. Stroud a thing? You have uh, Lawrence in Jacksonville. All of the good quarterbacks are in the AFC, and that's what's going to make it difficult for Buffalo to get to the Super Bowl. We're going to need like one of those like miracles where we start off against like one of the worst quarterbacks in the playoffs, and then maybe there's an upset to help us in the quarterback department for the uh, divisional round or AFC championship game, depending if we get the bye, but it's going to be hell to get anywhere. But I want to, we got to, Josh is going to get us a Super Bowl. I, be, I believe it sometime before he retires, like LeBron and Cleveland. He's going to be like that. He's going to get us a Super Bowl, except he's not going to be so woke. I was going to say, hopefully he doesn't have to leave and then come back to do it. Because that yeah. would fucking blow. I think the collective shock of Josh Allen leaving the city, plus the like the cold snap that happens around November, would just kill everyone. <laughs> this place yeah. would become a ghost town. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I'm I'm I think expectations for me. You need to be in the AFC title game. Let the cards fall where they may, but you need to be in that conversation, or else. And that's what sucks about this, right? Because those are your expectations. And they may change as the season goes on. Maybe the pundits are right. I mean, I, I feel like an asshole for even saying that out loud. Maybe the pundits are right. Maybe they see flaws that we, because we're too close to it, don't see. The critical things that we're missing that are going to make this team go from you know, being the highest scoring team in football over the last three seasons to being a just... Oh, they're a laughing stock. We're going to go to being what the Patriots were last year, and we're going to miss the playoffs in the final two weeks. Maybe. Realistically, I think you make and win the divisional round. You go to the title game, and you see what happens. You give me that, I will call this a success, because I believe that's what you have to be doing every year, that you have Josh Allen as your quarterback. You have to. That's That's it. If you don't, if you don't at least get to that point, I will call that season a disappointment. I'm just happy that the real bullets are going to start flying and we can stop fucking postulating about whether our teams are good or not. Yeah, I mean... Every team can be good, and every team can be ass. That's what Twitter's for. Scott was getting into it with Misery. Oh, my God. On Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that during the preview show. Fucking producer versus DJ. Fucking smooth jazz DJ beef over here. 
<laughs> blowing up my mentions at 6.30 in the morning. I'm like, what the fuck? Are, I'm trying to sleep. What are you doing? And Chris, also, I was just thinking about this as I'm looking at this list as we close out the show. If you and I were a tag team, the way you like to anoint our guests with that. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely the New Age Outlaws, and I am definitely Mr. Ass. That would make sense. I'm an ass, man. He has one of the greatest songs of all time, bar none. I will. I, I defy you to find a better one. Guys, this has been fun. I cannot wait for real football to get played this week. But for tonight, we got to get out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your AFC's Roundup. <laughs>